Halleluja. It's good to be back once again. Man. We were, we were, we were away for almost three weeks. And the first thing Aaron and I said when we arrived in Korea, we just said, home, sweet home. There's no place like home. And it's funny because, you know, we never imagined four or five years ago calling Korea our home. Uh, but you know what? Home is where you're celebrated, not just tolerated. Right? So that's what Brother Michael's wife, Lori, said. You know, she was saying, you know, you don't want to just go to a place where you're tolerated. You know, you want to go somewhere where you're celebrated, where people believe in you. People, you know, they want, they want to encourage you to bring out your giftings and your potential. That's where you want to be. And for Aaron and I, this is the place where uh, we feel most celebrated and loved. And hallelujah. And, and we hope that, you know, that you find at this church a place where uh, you also feel loved and celebrated, accepted, no matter what kind of background you've had. <coughs> and if, you, if you're worried about your background getting out and not being accepted, just listen to some of the testimonies of our church leaders. Okay, they, they, they are accepted after all that they've done. Hallelujah. All right, you don't have to fear about, all right, we, we over here, you know, we just accept people because, you know, God accepts you and we, we, just, we, just, love on, we, we just love on you. All right, hallelujah. Today, uh, I'm going to share uh, just one message. One message, and uh, I'm going to tie it in with some stories from our U.S. trip. So, uh, hallelujah. Now, I do want to continue to commit to ending my messages around 40 minutes, okay? So, I'm going to do my best. But uh, I've lied a lot in the past. About this, so don't don't mind me. <coughs> okay, uh, so Acts chapter eight. Today we read this passage about Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Now, anybody know what a eunuch is? <coughs> all right. Uh, okay, that's all you need to know. Okay, and uh, Philip here, um, an angel of the Lord came to him and told him to go. Rise and go toward the south to the road that uh, goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And uh, the word of God says, this is a desert place. Now, uh, I don't think Philip had any intentions or plans to go to a desert place. But here is the Lord intervening and telling him to go to this place. And, 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 and the angel doesn't tell him anything more than that. And so the word of God says in verse 27, Philip just simply rose and went. And as he was there, the Spirit said to Philip, verse 29, go over and join this chariot that he saw with the Ethiopian eunuch in it. <coughs> now, uh, that's all the instructions that Philip gets. God doesn't say, go to the Ethiopian eunuch and explain to him the passage of Scripture and get him baptized in water. You know, God, God doesn't tell him any of that. God just simply tells him, go over and go on, join this chariot. Okay. And... Uh, what we have here in Acts chapter 8, the passage that we read today is, this is an example of a divine appointment. Hallelujah. <coughs> There's two kinds of appointments that we have in life. Number one, they're just appointments. 
These are meetings that we typically make or initiate. Right? If somebody comes up to me and says, Pastor Christian, I would like to uh, buy you dinner. And I say, well, all right, well, let me look at my schedule book and let's make an appointment. Right? If you do that, we try to make an appointment. There are appointments and then there are divine appointments. Hallelujah. Now, divine appointments are meetings that are distinctly set up by God. They're distinctly set up by God. Um, and divine appointments, they uh, oftentimes, they come in unexpectedly. And they may break into your busy schedule. Or they may take up free time that you're hoping to do something else with. You know, who knows? Maybe Philip wanted to go play soccer on this day or something like that. Just chill with the boys. He had a little free time on his hands. But no, God, you know, and praise the Lord, right? You know, Jesus is under the impression that he's the Lord of your life. Amen? Amen. Okay. So if you got some free time and God says, go over there, okay, you know, you don't need to be getting all angry with God. Okay, he's under the impression that he's the Lord of your life. If he's the Lord of your life, he should be able to do say whatever, uh, anything about your free time as he wants. Amen. Amen. And we will be joyful. We will be able to get the joy of what that divine appointment was all about. But some people, they get so stuck on, oh man, I don't get to do what I want. And, and somebody comes in and into your busy schedule or takes up your free time. And you're just so hung up on the fact that you wanted to do something else that you miss out on the divine appointment that God just sent you. And what if Philip here was going up to his chariot and thinking, man, I wanted to play soccer today. I don't want to go talk to a eunuch. I want to go play with men that have <coughs> uh, soccer uh, equipment. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm sorry. Um, <coughs> now, uh, divine appointments, they're distinctly set up by God. Now, <coughs> God sets it up in heaven, but he doesn't always just let us know until like the last minute. So there's two ways in which God can reveal divine appointments. One is he can be, uh, divine appointments, number one, can be revealed in a moment, like a, in a moment, through a need crisis or availability like you just find all of a sudden this free time on your hands okay and then god all of a sudden starts to delegate what what he wants you to do with that free time okay it can be revealed in a moment through a need crisis or availability number two divine appointments can be revealed gradually through visions dreams or impressions. Okay. Now you need to get this. If you don't get this, you're not going to be able to tap into divine appointments. I'm about to tell you a whole series of testimonies from this trip. Because one, there's two words that will describe my trip to the U.S. this past three weeks. As divine appointments. I mean, this is just a theme that God was putting on my heart. And God, I just felt like God was saying, when you get back to church, you better preach on this. Because this is going to open up. This is going to open up incredible Incredible multitude of ministry for the congregation. <coughs> so, yeah. Revealed in the moment or it's revealed gradually. Uh, for Philip here, okay, it was revealed in a moment 
Boom. Right? He had the availability to go. Angel of the Lord said, go, and he went. Um, an example of one that was revealed gradually is Apostle Peter and Cornelius' house. Okay? Peter is out there on the roof praying. He gets this vision of the blanket with all these supposedly, you know, unclean animals, and God says, kill and eat. And Peter says, no, I, I, I don't eat this unclean animals. And God says, whatever God has made clean, do not call unclean. And this happens three times. While this is happening, Cornelius is getting a vision. Where, and God is telling him, go and, and look for this guy named Peter. He's staying with this other guy named Simon, all this stuff. And go send for him. So Cornelius sends uh, a delegation of his servants to go look for Peter. <coughs> this was not... Initiated by Cornelius or by Peter. Right? It was set up distinctly by God. But it was revealed gradually. It wasn't like Peter's like going to preach somewhere and God says, Go over to this town where to meet this man Cornelius. Okay, Lord, I'm gonna cancel this one and go there. No, it was revealed gradually. Okay, as Peter was paying attention. Okay, so these examples from the Bible. Okay. Um, now, divine appointments, they're, they are wonderful. Divine appointments are so wonderful. Um, but because many people have not trained their eye to look out for them, people often see divine appointments as inconveniences. As inconveniences. Now, <coughs> I was able to identify four kinds of people that we can encounter in a divine appointment. Okay, Number one. Friends and family, you know, you ever, you ever like, you know, you go out and, and you have something planned and then it gets canceled and all of a sudden you're having dinner with your sister. But, you know, you often you don't really uh, plan out dinners with your sister. But, you know, this is like you're having dinner with your sister and you're connecting with her and you're, you're seeing that she has certain things that she's going through and you're able to minister to her and she's able to minister to you. And after dinner, you're just like so thankful. Man, I'm so thankful that I got to have dinner with my sister. But it wasn't planned out really by either of you. It just kind of happened. That's a divine appointment with a friend, with a church member, you know? Friends and family. That's the first type of people that you can have divine appointments with. Second, <coughs> divine appointments can happen with strangers. Now, this is what makes a lot of people feel very uncomfortable. Just by, what strangers? No, I don't, no thank you to that. I don't want those divine appointments. I'll just take the first kind. Okay? And, and so many people, they have this wall up. I'm telling you, as a Korean American, let me just say that Korean Americans are great at having a wall up. The wall, I'm, I'm telling you, when we were in Maryland, you know, like, you know, Caucasians and African Americans, they have, they, they have no problem. They have no, they have no walls up. We're just standing in the bus line and they just, you know, like, where you from, huh? <laughs> I'll tell you about this lady, right? This big African American lady. Her name is Dulcinea. She has an apo- uh, she has an apo- apostolic calling on her life. I just I could identify immediately. I mean, she just the way she talked with authority, and she she had been with uh, Heidi Baker's ministry in Mozambique, and she actually knew Lovey somehow. So it's kind of weird. I, the, the, the day after we met Lovey, and we're talking about yeah, <coughs> we met this lady named Dulcinea. Oh, I know Dulcinea. And we're like, oh wow, okay, divine appointments coming together. To anyway, um, like. You know, Caucasian people, yeah, we know, you know, white people, black people, you know, they got no walls up. 
You know, they're just, they're just, they're just come up to you and they have no problem greeting you and getting to know you. But man, Korean Americans, man, they're, they're just all about like the stare down. <laughs> I don't like the way they're staring at me. I ain't talking to them. You know, and they, they just got this like wall. And this is, especially if it's like they're, the other person's not Korean. You know, Korean Americans, man, they just really put a wall up. And that's really sad. Because I believe we're just missing out on so many divine appointments. Because not willing to meet with strangers. Especially when those strangers are not of our culture or ethnicity. I'm telling you, man, God will, God, will, God will teach you and bless you and minister to you if you would just step out of these walls. <laughs> Third kinds of people. Enemies. Oh, yeah. Divine appointments with your enemies. Now, is this biblical, Pastor Christian? Yes, it is. There's a lot of examples. Okay. David and Goliath. That was not set up, planned out by David. David went to deliver a picnic basket. Next thing you know, he's fighting Goliath. That was a divine appointment with his enemy. And where David thought nothing of it, that battle and that victory is what propelled David into a place where he became a warrior. And and the, and the crowds began to sing of him. David has, Saul has killed his thousands and David has killed his tens of thousands. Because David became a mighty warrior. Why? And everybody remembered Goliath. I bet you even his enemies, when they would go out to battle, they would be like, yeah, Ooh, that's David, man. That's the dude that killed Goliath. I'm out. Bye, peace. Ah! You know, and David would just walk out on the battlefield and he had this reputation. Why? Because he had this divine appointment. With this one giant dude. <coughs> and he killed him with a rock. I mean, he can do that with a rock, man. Imagine what he could do with a sword. I'm out of peace, you know. David was, you know, that, but that divine appointment propelled him into his destiny. And those who are taking the chase of the lion Bible study, this is a big theme. Oftentimes we run away from the things that scare us, that intimidate us. From our Jezebels, we run away. But I'm telling you, sometimes God would just set up a divine appointment for you to confront your enemies. That's when we need to be more like Elisha, not Elijah. We need to be like that homeboy Jehu. Where the zeal of the Lord was just consuming that brother. And he went, he didn't do nothing, he just prophesied. And Jezebel, it came, to, it came to pass exactly as it was prophesied. <coughs> All he did actually was, if you know the story, he was, he was, it's a cool story because, you know, by this time Jezebel is, you know, this powerful woman, all this stuff, and he just looks up at the wall and says, is any of y'all, uh, I forget what he said, is any of y'all on my side or something like that? So any of y'all my homies or something like that? And then, and then some of the men were like, oh yeah, and all of a sudden they just threw Jezebel over the wall and she died. That's it. She died and then she got eaten up by dogs. Nobody buried her. And that was a prophetic word that God had spoken. Because she had done all this horrible stuff to uh, Nabal and all these other dudes, you know. Divine appointments with our enemies. Sometimes God will give us divine appointments to confront and defeat our enemies. Other times, He will call us to go and confront and bring them to repentance. 
Jonah and Nineveh. Okay. Jonah did not go, he did not intend to go to Nineveh. That was a divine appointment. And God said, you go to Nineveh and you preach repentance to these people that you hate so much. They were his enemies. And guess what Jonah did? He went the opposite direction. Now, I'm telling you right now, sometimes when God gives a divine appointment, you just need to go. Can I get amen? amen. If you look at, I, I was reading Jonah through my quiet time during this trip. And we just read Jonah. Jonah's a real short book. Just read the whole thing. It's very interesting. Do a concordance study of the word appoint. You're talking about appointments. Jonah went the opposite way and God appointed a storm to come upon the ship that he was on. Then these men, Jonah was like, look, check this out. I serve the true living God and I'm running away from him. This is the reason why the storm has come upon the ship. All right, just throw me overboard. I'm pretty sure the storm will stop. And these men are like, what? All right, we're willing to try it, but no, hold on, hold on. This has got to be, this is crazy. All right, last resort, last resort. And they try to, try to storm, weather the storm, and they can't. And so finally, they're like, all right, we're real sorry, man. <laughs> but since you said it, all right, we're going to check out everything. And all of a sudden, the, the storm stopped. And then the Bible says God appointed a big fish to swallow Jonah. So check this out. If God gives you a divine appointment... Sometimes it's just best to go. Because if you don't, you're going to have an appointment with a storm. You're going to have an appointment with a fish. And then God's going to appoint that fish to spit you out. And you're going to be on the shores of Nineveh. But that's just, that's the way some people's Christian lives play out. They're running, their testimony is a testimony of how they're running away and God brings them back. Especially those who have a full-time ministry call. Man, I, I hear some crazy stories. When you got a full-time ministry call, and you start getting beyond that point of like doubt, and you're just like, whoa, I, I definitely have a call. Alright? You just better go. Don't go, don't go opposite direction. Don't go into finance. Don't go into being a doctor, you know, or something, something else, like, you know, to try to, you know, like, kind of like deal, make a deal with God. Just go, just go. Cause God will appoint. All kinds of stuff to get you back to where you need to be. <coughs> uh, while we're on this topic, all right? Another divine appointment with our enemies? Ananias and Saul. Wonderful example from the New Testament. This homeboy Ananias, he's one, he's one of these uh, brand new Christians. And God tells Ananias to go and meet Saul. And to pray for him. Now Saul at this time was a persecutor of Christians. He was getting Christians killed left and right. And God says, Ananias, you're to go and lay hands on Saul. Divine appointment with your enemies. Okay. So <coughs> check that. Don't, don't, don't remove that. Don't eliminate that out of your grid. I'm telling you right now, there's plenty of examples in the Bible to show us this is what God does. Whether you defeat them or you subdue them and you bring them to repentance or whatnot, God may set up divine appointments with you and your enemies. Hallelujah. Fourth is, this is going to get some people real excited, future spouse. God can set up your marriage. He's the best matchmaker there is. Amen. 
And I'm not saying everybody's love story gets written like this, but man, sometimes some people, they just have a divine appointment and then they just, that's how they meet their spouse. Amen? And other people, they just, you know, they just hang out at a good church and then they like what they see and then they pray about it and then they ask them out. That's, that's all good too. It don't have to be all like these crazy divine stories, but, but there are people that have divine appointments with your future spouse. But you check this out. What if that future spouse is of a different skin color? What if that future spouse comes to you in a way that inconveniences you? Right? If you're not open to divine appointments in general, guess what? You may miss out or delay God's plan for your future marriage. So you got to stay open to this stuff. Who's open to this right now? Say amen. amen. Come on, who's open to this? Hallelujah. <coughs> You know, I wasn't open to many divine appointments, but this was the one that I was open to for all my, all my college days. Alright? And it's funny, cause in my junior year, when I got baptized through Brother Michael, Brother Michael had one specific prophecy he spoke out about my future marriage. He said, you will meet your wife on the missions field, the spirit of the sovereign Lord says. And I said, yeah, hallelujah, amen. Okay? And if you see my life, I have gone on mission trips every single year. And, it, and it's been so good, I haven't stopped the pattern after I got married. I still go. But there was not a summer I missed on going on mission trips. Because <coughs> I believed in that divine appointment. I knew that it was coming. Hallelujah. And little did I know that Eventually, God will call me out of New York and into Korea. And he was calling Korea my missions field. He was like, this is your missions field. Korea, North Korea. You pray here. This is your missions field. And hallelujah. One year after I arrived here, I met this beautiful woman. But before I met her... That's right. The prophecy was that she'd be beautiful inside and out. That was a, that was one of the signs that helped me to identify who she was. <coughs> but uh, actually, before I met her, I thought I, I, there was a, an, another cutie, and uh, I kind of, I kind of prayed for her for about a month. But uh, you know, there was the chemistry wasn't there and stuff like that. But uh, hallelujah, divine appointment. I met her here. On my missions field. <coughs> now, I know some of y'all are upset at me because when Pastor Sam was here and, and I agreed with him that there will be all these engagements and marriages coming out of our church by the end of the year. And some of y'all are like, well, time is ticking, Pastor Christian. Where is that anointing? Come on. Okay. Look, I, I am taking that weight upon myself. I'm praying. I'm praying. And there are stuff that's happening y'all don't know about as well. <coughs> but uh, it is my prayer that many of you will find your future spouse here in New Philly. Uh, you, you, and, and, but I'm also praying another prayer that many of you will meet someone uh, that's outside of New Philly and then bring them in. So check this out. The pattern has to be if you get married to somebody outside of church, you can't leave. They need to come here. I'm serious. This is a prayer that I've made distinctly to God. 
So if your future partner happens to say, well, why don't you come over and move to Chicago? You'd be like, no, I don't know about that. But let's see. Let's just pray about it. All right. But know in your heart that God's going to change his heart. All right. Because your pastor has already prayed. It's a done deal. We've got to bring increase here somehow, right? Brothers and sisters, we need to make room for divine appointments in our lives. <coughs> we need to learn how to identify them and then adapt or accommodate them into our schedules. Now, not every interruption is a divine appointment. But as you learn in your prayer closet how to discern the voice of the Lord and the discern the impressions of the Holy Spirit, when you get those impressions and you can't shake it off, you, we need to adapt. We need to accommodate for divine appointments. Because you may be holding on to someone else's blessing and breakthrough, or they may be holding on to yours. But this is the way God works. He just brings it through people. So we got to stay open, whether it's a friend, family member, stranger, your enemy. Hallelujah. Unless we learn how to make room for divine appointments, we may miss out on 100% of the divine appointments God sends our way. Okay. Um, we need to learn how to approach divine appointments with faith, not with a grudging heart. Uh, we must value them. Stay alert. Okay. And whenever you feel like a divine appointment is just beginning, this is a, this is just a, pattern that I've learned over the years, a habit that I've developed, I always pray under my breath, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit right now. Fill me with your Holy Spirit right now. I'm telling you, man, something like, something like happens. Okay. And, and, and then the next thing I know, there's an anointing flowing for wisdom, for revelation, for advice, for counsel, for breakthrough. Boom, boom, boom. And when it ends, I don't pat, just pat myself on the back, but I, I give all the glory to the Lord. I say, Lord, that's because you were with me. <coughs> now, plenty of divine appointments uh, in the Bible. E- even here, we looked at Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. You look a chapter later, you got Ananias and Saul, which I already talked about. Uh, in the same chapter, in Acts chapter 9, you got Dorcas. Okay. All right, that's not a proper name today. Don't name your children Dorcas. Okay, but Dorcas, she became ill. She died. And then, remember, divine appointments can be set up through a crisis or need. So here, Peter's headed one direction. He hears about this crisis and need, and he recognizes, oh, wait, I need to make room for that. So what does he do? He goes over. To where Dorcas had died. Prays for her. Raises her from the dead. Hallelujah. Uh, look at chapter later. You got Peter and Cornelius. I already talked about that divine appointment. <coughs> and even if you look at the parable of the good Samaritan. Hallelujah. And I have been listening to the podcast. Alright. I heard Marcus's sermon last week. Alright. Good work brother. Uh, good work. 
It's a good, good message. I heard John Michael's message. I heard John Newfell's message on Friday Fire. Uh, I heard all y'all testimonies on, on the open mic night the other week. It's good. It's good stuff. Actually, I, I gotta confess. Maybe like one fourth of them, I fell asleep. <laughs> I was on the airplane. We're on the red eye flight. All right. <clears throat> but, uh, uh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And, um, The Good Samaritan, I believe John Michael was uh, talking about this in his message. If you really look at the Good Samaritan, okay, you had three guys. Only the Good Samaritan was the one who made room in his heart for divine appointment. Okay? Everyone else saw it as this religious, oh, I, can't do, I can't touch it, I'm going to be unclean. Other people saw it, this is so inconvenient. I'm, I'm headed to something very important where I got to do all these important things. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't make room for this. There's only one man, a Samaritan, made room for that divine appointment. Not only is it a lesson on love, okay, it is also a lesson on divine appointments. <coughs> now, the question you might ask right now is, why does God utilize divine appointments? They are unexpected. They are a lot of times inconvenient. Why doesn't God just give us a calendar at the beginning of each year with all the appointments that he got set up for us and everything that he wants us to receive or give in these appointments and just, there you go. Go for it. Why doesn't God work like that? Why has it got to be all last minute? You know, okay. Let me give you five reasons I was able to identify for why God utilizes Divine appointments. Number one, God utilizes divine appointments to nurture our dependency on Him. Number one, to nurture our dependency on Him. <clears throat> when I got to New York during our uh, beginning part of our trip, Erin, she had set up all these appointments with her sorority sisters, with her friends and chingus. And I had caught up all these people. And you know, I'm pretty important, you know. Can I, can I just say that? I'm a pastor. Okay, I'm a pretty important dude. Okay? I would expect if I'm, if I make some phone calls, people will get back to me. You know, I'm leaving voicemails. Hey, man, I'm in New York. Let's meet up. Yeah, yeah, bro. Come on. Let's meet up. Alright? Nobody call me back. And the people who said that they would meet me, they canceled on me. So, I'm so humbled here, right? Aaron's over here, and she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, nothing. She said, well, I'm going to the city to meet my friends. I was like, uh, can, 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 I, can, I just, can I just take the train with you? <laughs> That's what I did. I just went in the city with, with no real you know, plans, you know, just run some errands, get, you know, get our cell phone connected, stuff like that. And uh, God was humbling, humbling me. And uh, God was teaching me. It was that first day, because it, it was weird. It was the next day, a similar thing happened where just everything got canceled. And, and God was just teaching me to just depend on him. Just Sometimes when God wants to teach you about divine, divine appointments, he'll cancel all your appointments to make the point real clear. Right? And so <clears throat> that first day, I, uh, I was... Uh, I felt like a loser and I had nowhere to go. So I went to the Apple store. Yeah, baby. I just hung out. That's where all my friends are. 
the Apple Store, got my laptop fixed up, and just you know, just looking at products that you know I can't really buy, and just <coughs> and chilling there. And then all of a sudden, somebody goes, "Christian, Christian, is that you?" I look up, and it's my it's my, it's my brother Mino. He's a he's a recording artist, and he's like, <laughs> he has this crazy laugh. He's like. This is so funny. Of all the places, of course I will meet you in the Apple Store, Christian. And we just had this little divine appointment. And we we just got a little moment to just share. And uh, he shared about what God's doing in his life. And his brother Eric was there. And man, that young man also has a mighty anointing on his life and calling on his life. And he was sharing about his heart from North Korea. and, And I was just sharing with him about my ministry. I met another gentleman from China that was in New York. And he's like, yeah, if I'm ever in Korea, I'll visit your church and all this stuff. And, and it was just this divine appointment. What, I don't know what God's going to do with that. But one thing, funny thing was, I wanted to meet Minnow on this trip. So God just is like, I'll set it up. <coughs> and then on the train ride back, I was supposed to meet Aaron on the, on the train tracks, the, the lure. I'm not used to the lure. Okay, I'm used to the New York City subway, you know, Brooklyn to the Bronx, you know, all over Manhattan. But I ain't even going to Long Island with no lure. But uh, anyway, you're supposed to like, you know, like run over and then get to the right track. There's all these tracks, like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I'm told, I don't know what you're to go to. And I cell phone. I'm calling my Aaron and she's not picking up. Anyway, <coughs> I got on the train. I got on the right train, but we didn't get to meet each other. And uh, and I'm just like walking through the train. And then I, I'm like, wait, I know that person. So, I'm, hey, Stephanie, right? And she's like, whoa, Christian, what are you doing here? So I'm like, can I take a seat? And she's like, yeah, yeah. So I sit down, and I just, I just talk to her, and here's Stephanie, on on the Long Island Railroad, going to the same station as us, right? And she just kind of opens up and shares about her struggles. And I knew right there that God had sent me to talk to her. Right? <clears throat> I'll, I'll tell you a little bit more of what, what happened with Stephanie. But, but uh, yeah, we ended up getting off at the same uh, station and we ended up praying for her. And it was, it, she was just exactly, I think, what God had set up just to encourage her. And just to speak hope over her situation. Because she had been at this church for like an entire year, and she just felt like an outsider. And I believe God was also speaking through her to me about certain dangers that we can fall into as a church ourselves. But uh, anyway, number one is to nurture our dependency on Him. Two, God uses divine appointments to test and to nurture our compassion by showing us a need or ministry opportunity. To test and nurture our compassion by showing us a need or ministry opportunity. You know, <laughs> this theme of divine appointments, it started right from the airport when I was here in Incheon, in Korea. At the, I was at the international airport, and <clears throat> there was this area where there were internet access. I got on there, and the Eagles game was playing. You know, Eagles were playing Oakland and I was watching this game and I was getting real excited. We should be able to slaughter this team, this terrible team. And uh, I'm watching this game and 
uh, the um, SK Telecom lady comes over, and she's like, um, 저기요 실례지만요 여기는 우리 고객님만 쓸수 있어요. 저쪽으로 가지 옮겨주세요. I don't know. She was telling me to move. She's kicking me out. And I was like, what? Hey, hey, all these empty seats here. Can't I just sit here? 여기 앉으면 안 돼요? She's like, uh, 고객님 빨리 이제 우리 uh, 고, 우리 고객님만들. Uh, I don't know. And she said she's trying to kick me out. So I was getting all like upset, right? And I'm like, nobody knows me, right? Nobody knows I'm a pastor. I'm just gonna like, like I'm gonna just tell it to her like what I think, you know? I'm just that stupid. You know, I was gonna say something like that. <coughs> and uh, no, but I, I, I held, I held calm. I said, Lord bless her. And then a voice comes right from my left. It says, Hey, aren't you Christian? So I'm like, Huh? Oh man, it's, it's somebody from New Philly. They saw me. <laughs> saw me acting like a, you know, no, no, no. It was this um, guy named Chris Kim. Now, I hadn't met Chris for like four years, three, four years. I met him when I first came to Korea. He's actually uh, used to be good friends with Mina, uh, you know, during Mina's party days and all that stuff here. <laughs> and uh, <coughs> all I remember is this homeboy, I mean, from what I can remember, he wasn't really walking with the Lord that strongly. All right. And he comes and, and he's there, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. And I, I, I didn't know his name, right? And he was just like, yeah, yeah no, Chris. And, and uh, we connected, and everything started coming together. And I was like, yeah, what's going on? And you know what I was thinking the whole time? I gotta get back to my Eagles game. Okay. But the Holy Spirit burned it on my heart. He said, You asked for divine appointments during this trip. This is numero uno. What's more important to you? Well, I said, well, Lord, whatever you send me, that's more important to me. Although the Eagles game is very important. <coughs> and I said, all right. So I just kind of closed up my laptop and I just gave him my full attention. Okay. And this young brother, uh, he's um, just really started sharing about Mina's testimony. And he just started sharing. I'm hearing so many good things about what's going on in New Philly. And I heard the incredible changes that Mina's been experiencing. Are you guys doing something good over there? And I said, yeah, brother. God's doing some incredible stuff. He's just transforming lives. What's been going on with you? And, you know, and he just started kind of opening up about all that God's been doing in him. And <clears throat> after sharing for a little bit, I just felt the impression, well, i got to bless the brother. Hey, Chris, can I pray for you? He's like, right here? I'm like, yeah. Right? And I knew, I knew that if he wasn't really... Walking with the Lord, he'd be like, no, that's all right. That's, I'll pass on that. He was like, yeah, pray for me. So I just prayed for him right there. With that SK Telecom lady probably watching us too. She's like, why is he not leaving? <laughs> Shh, it's a divine appointment, woman. Calm down. Anyway, I pray for Chris. I blessed him. And uh, he happened to actually be on the same flight as us. So, you know, we, we saw him a couple more times and... Uh, and you know, he just, he, he just seemed so thankful that he met me. It was so weird. I don't even know him that well, but he was just so thankful that he met me. It's something really blessed him about that. And so I was just like, praise the Lord. God was testing my compassion through that Eagles game. <laughs> Hallelujah. <clears throat> um, when we were in Maryland for the conference, there was a gentleman that uh, the Pattaya team had met during the conference. His name's Ward. 
His name is Ward Farrier. Now, what do you guys first think of when you hear that name? Warrior, right? Exactly. Ward Farrier. And God says, Warrior. I'm like, well, that's a cool name. That's like a fire warrior. I don't know, man. This, this is a cool name. Ward Farrier. Anyway, <clears throat> he, he ended up coming to the conference because he saw my Facebook uh, posting on Bill Johnson's fan page where I said, hey, B- hey, Bill. I mean, I don't know if I said Bill. I said, hey, I don't remember what I said. Hey, Bill, what's going on? And I, uh, I'm so blessed by your ministry. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you in person at the Voice of the Apostles Conference next week. And then Ward said that two minutes after that went up, he actually got on that fan page. And he's a Christian. Hey, that's Aaron's husband. That's the pastor in Korea uh, of that team that I love so much. And so Ward's like, if he's going there, I'm going there. So he comes to this conference. And the thing is, it was so last minute and the kid's so poor, he had no place to stay. <laughs> so him and his younger brother, who, you know, his younger brother had prayed for Ward because Ward was really badly backslidden for many years. And Ward had just come back and now he's spirit-filled. And, and his brother Jonathan uh, is also like seeing what Ward is going through and wanted a piece of that. So he came to the conference together. And they slept on the floor of a hotel room. Because they were supposed to stay at one place and then they, they went to the wrong hotel and then, I don't know man, they just, it just didn't work out. Right? So I hear about this need and God says, it's a divine appointment. What you gonna do about it? Now God blessed us with a hotel, embassy suites, okay, where we get, we get like a living room area and a hotel room. It was a beautiful hotel by the way. It's in Hunt Valley, Maryland. If you're ever in that area, so it's a wonderfully priced a uh, hotel with an awesome breakfast buffet, by the way. Um, <coughs> anyway, so God blessed us with this suite, and I, I, and I just knew that the sofa was a sofa bed. I just knew somehow. Right? So, so Aaron's like, Aaron comes in, she's like, what a wonderful hotel! Wow! God gave us the upgrade, upgrade, upgrade! Alright? <laughs> well, I go down the hall, alright, all the rooms are the same. <laughs> So it wasn't really an upgrade. It was the whole hotel's like that. It's, it's, sorry, honey. That was, that was the truth. It's called Embassy Suites. And all of them are suites. And uh, anyway. <coughs> and so we hear the situation. And God says, divine appointment. And says, hey, God's testing our compassion, right? And so I know Aaron wants to offer it to him, you know, our living room. And I got to deal with, number one, I got to deal with maybe the hotel, you know, people. They might say, Who, what are you sneaking people in? You have to pay for that, you know. I thought I'd deal with that. Number two, I would have to probably, it would be kind of bad just me and Aaron getting breakfast buffet while they stay in the room, you know? So I knew that if they stayed, that I would have to give up my breakfast buffet. Which after that one morning, I was like, man, this is one of the best breakfast buffets I've ever been at at a hotel. And they had cranberry juice. And it was good. (laughs) So anyway, uh, uh, I said, well, Lord, I'm just going to obey, you know, your divine appointments. These, these are, these are your divine appointments. Uh, I'll be more than happy to. So I told Aaron, honey, why don't you tell Ward, ask him if they want to stay at our hotel room. So Aaron's like, what a great idea. I was thinking exactly the same thing, honey. And so we, we asked Ward and Jonathan. And the thing was, man, to us, it was just like giving up just the hotel room. For, for, for them, it was like, Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. 
Pastor Christian, there's a glow on your face. Wow. It was such a big answer to prayer for them. Because they just felt homeless. They felt like they were being bothersome to people. And here we are taking them in. So anyway, it was more than just them staying. God wanted us to pray impartation into them. Right? And they were at the conference, but they just weren't feeling the speakers. They weren't really learning. Uh, they were learning, but they weren't like, they were just like hitting the wall. And they were just like, Pastor Christian, you got something. And, and every time I would, I would give them advice, they would like come alive and they would, they would be like, wow, that's, that's so cool. They're just like little kids in the candy store. And they just wanted like an impartation from both of us. So at the end of the conference, we pray for them. Divine appointment. They were so blessed. They were more blessed through our, that time of prayer than for them through the whole conference. Right? Think about it. They came because they heard that we were going to the conference. Who did they, who do you think God really wanted them to meet at this conference? Right? Some of Bill Johnson's stuff's going right over their heads, you know? Heidi Baker's, you know? You know, you know how Heidi is, you know? Woo! Shaba! You know? And you know, you know Heidi Baker, you know? She, she's wonderful, but you know, some of the stuff she can, it can go over some people's heads. But uh, God really set it up for us that way. You know, every day we walk by strangers or we interact with family, coworkers, and friends. And for every person we encounter, I believe that God wants us to be kind and gracious. Whether you can identify it as a divine appointment or not. He just wants us to be. The call to be. He wants us to be kind and gracious to all. Jesus said, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. For he sends the rain on the just and the unjust. The righteous and the unrighteous. Just be good to all. all right, look, pagans even love those who love them. What good is that to you? Right? Give to the one who asks. Right? And I believe that God wants us to just be gracious to all. He said, the least you've done unto these, you've done it unto me. So keeping that in mind, he wants us just to be gracious and kind and giving to all. But then there are certain persons that God distinctly sends our way. And this person breaks through into our schedules with a need. And I believe that when this happens, God sends these people to test us. Right? We may not even meet a very big need. It may not even be a very powerful ministry time. But our response always determines an increase in virtue or vice. Okay? Our response to testings of compassion will always result in an increase in virtue or vice. This is not Bill Johnson. This is me, by the way. Bill Johnson, he laid hands on me. And I believe, man, wisdom's just been coming a lot faster for me these days. And that's a prayer I've been making. And so when Bill Johnson was, was, was Aaron got prayed for by Bill Johnson first. And she, ah, she went down and, and she came up and she's all laughing and all this stuff. And I, and I was like, honey, honey, well, what happened? She's like, Bill Johnson prayed for me. <laughs> I said, well, pff, I'm going to get it too. <laughs> so, so, you know, Bill's real chill when he prays for people. He's just like, yes, Lord. Yes, do it more, more. <laughs> and he was like chewing his gum. More, Lord. More. He was real chill. So I felt like real bad, like going up to him, you know. But I remember Andres Bissoni, man. Andres Bissoni, one crazy dude. He, he got impartations for every man of God he could find, right? And he was real bold about it. Like one time, 
<coughs> he he went up uh, during a Benny Hinn conference, and and Benny Hinn was like, uh, all the teenagers come up and and they're slowly trying to get up on the stage, or something like that, or, or just the pastors come up or something like that. It was like a particular altar call. I just really came up and Benny Hinn actually said, no, not you. <laughs> And Andreas Bissoni said, I was hurt by that. <laughs> but he said the very next day, Benny Hinn came into uh, the area where he was sitting. He said, I didn't care. I still want the anointing that he, that man's got. Okay, so he ended up getting prayed for that, that conference. He still got a powerful impartation during that conference. He fell on the ground and started shaking like a fish anyway. Um, <clears throat> I just remembered the boldness of Andreas Bissoni. And I was like, you know what? Because a lot of times when an altar call, you know, like you, you guys see me leading altar calls. But you know, there's a very few times where I go up to get an altar call. And I think there's something that's, there's something, there's a, not just a lack of hunger, but there's this, it's my thinking that's a little bit off. So there's this wonderful message about honoring the anointing that John or not spoke at the conference that really spoke volumes to me. But anyway, man, I just need to make a demand on the anointing because when it comes down to it, it's not about that man, it's about the anointing that's on that man. So whether that person, you know, is a jerk or, you know, you know, doesn't give you the time of day or whatever, you know, doesn't shake your hand. Who cares, right? He's got an anointing and you got to put a demand on that anointing if you want to be blessed. Where, where was I? <coughs> yeah, Bill Johnson. Yeah, anyway, getting back to my, my wisdom point, right? <laughs> Our response always results in virtue or vice. Jesus commands us in Luke chapter 6 to be loving, to be good, to be generous, to be merciful, to be forgiving. Okay, We cannot be loving and good and merciful and forgiving and generous and merciful by simply learning about it in the classroom or just praying for it. Okay, These nurtures, I mean, look, these virtues <laughs> increase... <laughs> These virtues increase when you are continually tested and given moments in which to exhibit these characteristics. And when you release it, it brings an increase. It becomes a part of who you are. Right? But when we do not respond to divine appointments, we do not minister to a need, Okay, we nurture vice, selfishness, self-centeredness, Greed, complacency. Okay. These are vices. <clears throat> so that's the second reason why God uses it as divine appointments to test and nurture our compassion by giving us the opportunity to minister. Number three, He does it to speak to us. He uses divine appointments to speak to us. Uh, when we're in New York, we met one of our old uh, Yonsei campus ministry. Um, friends, one of our students named Tiffany. And man, Tiffany had been just going through a lot of rough time. And I can't go into it because, I mean, I'll, I'll talk about it with some of the leaders, but man, some of, some of the stuff that's going on there, it's just kind of like, it's just a little, you know, I just don't agree with it. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to like dog on the pastor, you know, I'm, I'm encouraging Tiffany to stick it out and, and serve the Lord and submit under that authority. But, you know, just some stuff that just, you know, does, doesn't run me the right way. <laughs> and the funny thing is, the girl Stephanie that I met on the train, the church that she tried to be a part of for one year was that church that Tiffany's at right now. So it's so funny how, like, you know, this girl Stephanie's, like, talking about how much she struggled at this church. And then I meet Tiffany two days later, and she's at the church. 
And she actually goes into details about some of the things they're doing. You know, I just don't agree with some of the stuff they're doing. And the funny thing is, we got to minister to Tiffany. You know, we pray for her. She's crying and, you know, just prophesying over her. And she's crying. She's getting touched. She felt so refreshed. If you look on the Facebook wall, you know, she wrote this message. Thank you so much. You were so, I was so refreshed by our meeting time. But the thing is, something else God did through that appointment was God spoke to me through Tiffany. And what he was saying was, in case you didn't pay attention when Stephanie was sharing about this church, you need to pay attention to what Tiffany's saying about this church. But check it out. New Philadelphia needs to take note. You guys can go into the same dangers okay, if you don't guard yourself from some of these things that are happening there. So God was speaking to me through these two individuals. Later on, I looked back and I realized that. I took a whole journal, two pages of notes of things that I saw that's going on at that church that I realized, you know, was not good. It wasn't very, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't good. And then at the conference, Bill Johnson and Cheyenne, these guys spoke about these specific things. And then it was in another Bill Johnson book that I read during the week that, you know, God was just speaking to me about these same exact issues. Right? God will speak to you through the amount of appointments. Right? And we need to understand that the amount of appointments come with strangers too. And you know, this goes back to my listen to the donkey message. If you would humble yourself and be willing to hear from God, even through a donkey, God will speak to you. And in those divine appointments, if all you're obsessed with is ministering, ministering, and being a blessing, being a blessing, and that's good if it's coming out of a heart of compassion and love. But if that's all you're like one track, one dimensional, that's all you're focused on, you may miss out on what God's trying to say through that person. Even if that person is in a struggle, that person can still speak to your situation. <clears throat> Number four, to release a miracle or breakthrough. Oh, this is exciting right here. To release a miracle or breakthrough. God uses divine appointments. So let me check this out. Oh, man, this is a good testimony right here. This is going to make my message longer, but check this out, man. This is some good testimonies. Listen to this, man. So, <clears throat> like I said, one of the last days I was in New York... Right? I was just so used to God canceling all my appointments, I just didn't even bother making an appointment. I just started the day, I said, Lord, it's been a lot of fun. There have been a lot of divine appointments. Lord, just bless me with more divine appointments on this day. And so, <clears throat> we went uh, shopping at the mall and stuff like that. At the end of the day, Erin uh, was supposed to meet two of her friends. And she wasn't even sure if it was going to work out. But eventually, she was supposed to meet them at a certain time before we had dinner with her cousins. And since we had to go to dinner right afterwards, I, I just kind of invited myself, right? <clears throat> and I said, you know, honey, I'll just stay in the car and I'll have my quiet time in the car. You know, you, you, guys, you, know, you catch up with your friends. And these are college friends. These are friends that Erin used to party with. Right? And so she, the last time she saw them was in a party environment. But now that they've heard about her changes, they were... Uh, they've been experiencing uh, the Holy Spirit as well. And so they were just so excited to meet her and talk about this stuff. So it was, but it was a little weird for Erin. Because, you know, last time they had met, you know, I don't know, like she was high or something. I don't know. Like it was, it was a different kind of setting. And now they're high on something else. Hallelujah. <clears throat> so I was prepared to stay in the car. But God said, divine appointment. I said, honey... What if, what if I just go in there? 
And, and I, uh, no, no, Aaron, Aaron actually suggested I go in, right? He suggested I go in. Okay, I get the story straight. Okay. Okay, but I was hearing from the Lord already when you said that. God was like, you going in. You going in there, and you're going to be a blessing. I'm going to do some powerful stuff through you. So when Aaron was like, yeah, honey, why don't, you just, why don't you just go in? Don't just stay in the car. Just come in. You know, and you can meet my friends. You can just sit there. <laughs> and uh, I went in, and, and Aaron, her faith started to grow. And she realized that maybe this was, God was setting this up for, for him to do something through this. So I go in there, and that's exactly what I do. I just sit there, and I just stay quiet. And I'm just listening, and they're just sharing, and all these crazy stories about all these people's names that I don't know who they are. I don't know. You know, and they're just sharing and sharing and sharing. And finally, we get to a time of prayer. And, and this girl, uh, these girls, Dolly and, and Susanna, Dolly and Susanna, they were a part of a, a church that's uh, really kind of open to charismatic. But I think their, their church has been struggling and they've been feeling really dry. And they just felt like everything was just dried up like a desert, you know. And so they were just so happy that we will get to pray for them. So Aaron and I, we just got in a little circle and we just prayed. And the spirit of sovereign Lord just came on me. Bam. I just, I just took authority and just started like praying over them. As I got all these prophetic words. And just releasing. You know, God just uses me to release a lot of things, you know. And just releasing. And all of a sudden, you know, here's uh, Dolly. And she's, she's, just, she's just shaking, you know, under the power of God. And these girls had experienced similar things before. But, you know, this is a time of refreshing for them. And there's all these other prophetic words that are getting released. And as they're getting released, they're just more like manifestations. And God just confirming through signs that this is exactly what he wants to release into their lives. Then we get to Susanna and we pray for her and she's crying and shaking as well. You know, it's just so powerful. And then Aaron got to prophesy as well. And they got to see, you know, Aaron's gifting at work. It was just a powerful divine encounter. A divine appointment. A couple of days later, I went to my home church in New Jersey. This is a church that supported me like a lot of money every single month for the last six years while I was on Campus Crusade staff. Up until September of this year, they supported me a lot of money. That's the only reason I was able to really stay on staff was because of their support. And their church only has about 30, 40 people. It's a very small church, all right, very conservative, PCUSA, you know, but there are people there that are really just hungry for God. And they just, they just gotten beat up. There's so many things that have happened. The pastor left and all this stuff. But anyway, I went to New York and I had no idea. I thought I was just going to go visit and give a short report. And then they asked me to preach. <clears throat> so I was like, all right, let's do it. Divine appointment, right? And so we get over there and, uh, I felt like God wanted Aaron to share a little bit. So share a little testimony. We shared a couple of testimonies. And then afterward, we were like, if anyone wants to pray with us, you know, we believe that the spirit of God that's been anointing and blessing people in Korea is the same spirit that's here with us today. And we just want to be a blessing to you. Right. So afterward, you know, you know, like nobody came up to us because, you know, there's something that just, you know, I had never really done at that church before. They, they kind of heard about it, but they never really experienced it through me. But, you know, with the, one of the uh, leaders, she, you know, Dr. Lisa, you know, kind of takes me aside and starts saying, hey, why don't you guys pray for us? You know, we really like that. And then I was like, okay, well, let's pray for you right now. And she's like, okay, well, hold on. Let me just get the whole praise team. So she gets the whole praise team. And by the way, that was the answer to prayer because I used to be the praise team. I was the only member of the praise team when I used to lead praise there. 
And I said, Lord, I'm leaving. When I leave, there's going to be no praise at this church. But I pray that you will be faithful and set up the whole team with the drums and everything. And one day I will see it. Guess what? It was this trip. I saw it. They had a full-size band. It's still like just only about 25 people out there. And then there are like seven people on the stage. <laughs> but they actually sounded really good. And they were like really such a blessing. And there's some hungry people on that team. So we got them in the circle and we just laid hands and we prayed for them. Pray for them and they're just receiving it. They don't know what's going on, but I'm just imparting stuff. All right, these two young kids, like 14, 13 years old, two girls, and they're receiving it. And then Aaron gets a word of knowledge, like neck, neck pain, something like about the neck. But she didn't share it. She didn't share it. And uh, (laughs) Dr. Lisa... After all the praise team leaves, she says, starts opening up about going on missions and wanting to go to missions in Central America. And she says one of her struggles is she got into an accident recently. And there's uh, two stuff in the vertebrae. And uh, she just has intense pain. And she's a surgeon. So, you know, when you're a surgeon, you got to be like in one position for a long time, you know. And she, this has been really excruciating. But she's just in faith. She wants to still go to this mission trip to Central America. And so she shares about this pain, and then Aaron goes, well, actually, earlier I got um, something about the neck. And Dr. Lee says, oh, okay, I don't know what you're talking about, but, uh, you know, well, that was a word of knowledge, right? If it was shared a little bit earlier, that might have released even more faith, but, you know, we believe Dr. Lisa, you know, she was just hearing it, and we just said, well, can we just pray for your neck? You know? And so we just laid hands, and we prayed for her neck, and uh, afterwards we asked her to test it out, and uh, she didn't feel like a dramatic uh, difference or anything like that. But uh, when you were praying for her, she just started crying. She started crying. God just started really ministering to her. And she's a, she is a strong woman. She's got like Harvard, Yale, PhD, M, Masters, everything. Like she's, she's a really like, smart woman and her husband. And they got a baby, Jordan, like this guy, this baby, two babies anyway. They're all smart anyway. <laughs> and uh, she just got really ministered to. And then after this, we go down to the cap, we, we pray for another sister, and after this, we go down to the cafeteria, and there's this couple, and the, and the <coughs> couple is a Korean American lady, and, and a Caucasian gentleman, and they have been members of the church for a while. She comes up to me and says, Christian, uh, I just want to ask you to pray for our, for, for us, pray for our marriage. And I said, well, okay, well, yeah, I'll just bless your marriage. Yeah, I'll, I'll be willing to do that. I can pray for you right here in the cafeteria. And then the Spirit of, Spirit of the Lord was just like, no, take them to a place that's private. So I said, oh, actually, what, why don't we just go upstairs? Why don't we go upstairs and go somewhere more private? And so this married couple, um, they start opening up about how uh, the gentleman had left home and they had been apart for almost a year and how they were almost about to end up in a divorce, but they decided to give it one last shot for the sake of their two children. And uh, as they're sharing, um, the wife she's a therapist so she had already known all this stuff so she's just sort of like well yeah um you know he's been sexually abused when he was a child and i've been sexually abused when i when when i was a child and it's one of the one of the intimate connecting points when we got together was that we had these kind of stories and uh but you know uh right now our marriage is falling apart and, and we just we just ask for your prayer and so I got immediately pray for the husband first. And I just wanted to like test what Aaron got and just to see, get a confirmation. I asked Aaron, who should we pray for first? And Aaron said, pray for the husband. Right. 
So we pray and we, and we start counseling the husband and we just did healing and deliverance. The same training you guys get here. We just did it to them. I just, I just prayed. Healing and deliverance. I could not go through the whole list. I just, I just, you know, dealt with the main issue and the main issue was, right? You know, he had been sexually abused by his older brother starting from when he was six years old for six long years. He was getting sexually abused and he had a younger brother. And when the older brother would try to get to that younger brother, he would take the hit for him. And he would say, no, no, don't do that to him. Too. Do it to me. And so it's funny. When I got a word of knowledge, and I said, ask about another sibling. I said, do you have another, you have another sibling? He said, yeah, I have a younger brother. And I said, did your older brother ever try to touch your younger brother? And this, and this guy, this grown man, he just started breaking down crying. And there was just, just so much. It's, when you go through something like that, man, you don't deal with the property, man. There's just so much that, that just builds up. And so he just didn't know how to get out. He didn't know if he could be free from this. He just thought he had to maintain and live with it. So I just speak words, I speak words of healing and deliverance. Right? Aaron and I just start counseling him and just telling him what steps he can take to get these demonic spirits off of his life and to start getting the healing of God to touch his heart. And so we start talking about forgiveness. And in fact, it starts not with his older brother. It starts with his father. Because his father left him, left the family when they were five years old. So I asked him, I just got a word of knowledge. Ask him about his father. And I said, do you feel like your father is responsible for the sexual abuse, even though he didn't do it? And the guy just said, yeah, totally. If he didn't leave... None of that would have happened to us. And so he needed to forgive his father first. So we led him through this prayer to forgive his father. And I, you know, he didn't even think he could do it, but he, he started to pray and his, his, you know, spiritual walk isn't even that strong. You know, he, he's not even that strong of a Christian. But here we're leading him through these steps and God just touching his heart. And then we lead him through a prayer to forgive his older brother. And let me tell you right now, when we are done with all that prayer time, we didn't even pray for the wife. We had to leave. We had to go to another divine appointment. But her, his wife looked at us and she was just filled with so much hope. Whereas when we began the prayer, she felt despair. And like it was, it was just, a, it was just about to end. After the prayer, she was just like, thank you guys so much. She was filled with so much hope that while God was going to heal and save, their marriage. And the husband as well. He was sort of like, it's just so simple, but it was so powerful. And he wrote me an email later just talking about just the power of the cross. How not only does it deal with the sins that we've committed, but the sins that have been committed against us. If we will forgive others through the power of the cross, the effects of those sins do not have to affect us for the rest of our lives. Man, that was, just, that was a divine appointment. God used that divine appointment to release a breakthrough in that marriage. Hallelujah. All right, I got to wrap up. All right, number five. Why does God use divine appointments? It's to keep life exciting. You know, when we were at the conference, we met Dulcinea. Man, she is a mighty woman. A mighty woman of God. And, and at the end of one of the sessions, 
You know, we were just getting prayed for different people, and I just went up to Dosnea. I said, Dosnea, pray for me. She said, oh, yeah, Christian, come here. She started praying for me. It's funny, right? She prayed, Lord, he, she, she knew all about my calling, right? She just had a prophetic gifting, right? Yeah, but she had an apostolic anointing as well. She's like, upgrade, upgrade Christian's armor right now. And it's funny, I just felt like, whoa, all this tingling. I, I felt like my, I felt like, you know, Transformers or like, I don't know, like, you know, I felt like something was getting upgraded for real, for real. In my spirit, something was getting bigger. Oh, yeah. New levels, new devils, right? I'm going on another level there. Um, and she just prophesied. It was just exciting meeting her. And then there was another lady I met, a Caucasian lady named Pam. She was there with her daughter, 12-year-old daughter, Abby. Right? I'm in, I'm, I'm in line. We're waiting for the cafeteria line. And then the cafeteria was being run so inefficiently and being a choleric, you know, I'm just getting like real upset standing there. We're waiting like 40 minutes and moving move in the line. So Aaron went, Aaron and Faye, hey, Faye was another divine appointment, all right? Uh, one, one, one of the sessions, uh, the, the speaker just said, you know, just give each other a hug and just show the love of, of Christ. And I just, I just hugged Faye. And I just, I just felt the Spirit of the Lord said, just hold on to her. I, I just held her. And she was about to let go. And then she just held on again. I had her like in this headlock, right? And next thing I know, she's just shaking. Not because she's manifesting, but she's just crying. She just cried for a real long time. Just cried for a long time. And I just realized in that moment uh, how much God had used uh, me in, in her life. And I, I kind of, I, I, I think I, I lacked that father's heart for her. And I kind of forgot about all that God had done. I kind of contended for her. I really stood up for her uh, when her father was here, when she, her father thought she was going crazy. You know, and, and I, it just meant so much for her. To just just be under in, in that love, and it wasn't just my love; it was the love of the Father. And God was teaching me about the heart of a father in that moment, and was giving a spirit of adoption and just manifesting that in faith. You know, and and all throughout the conference, it's funny. On the first night of the conference, we were like, "I wonder where Faye is." And all of a sudden, she goes, "Amen!" <laughs> Three thousand people, and you can hear that "Amen" echo throughout the whole hall. And it wasn't just one session. It was every single session. <laughs> anyway, that was another divine appointment. <clears throat> but um, anyway, Faye and Aaron went to get hot dogs. And I'm still standing in this cafeteria line. And this Caucasian lady turns around. Of course, she initiates. Because, you know, I got my Korean American walls up. You know, I got to learn to take them down. But she initiates. She's like, hey, where are you from? I see she's a cleric. Uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm from uh, Korea. I'm from Philly and all this stuff. And she's like, oh, okay, all right. How you doing? And we're just kind of talking. She's kind of like testing me out, see, see where I'm at and stuff. And then she just notices there's like, she's just like, uh, you know what? Pray for my daughter. So I'm like, okay, all right. And so I pray for her daughter because her daughter is an interesting 12-year-old. She wants to see into the spirit realm. Right? That's just her one desire. I want to see in the spirit realm. That was her desire. So like she wasn't getting it recently and she's been praying and pressing in for it. And she thought I was the breakthrough. So I just pray for her. I, I just pray fire because that's what God uses me a lot of times. I just pray fire. And then, and then Pam's like, whoa. 
I felt bad. And uh, and then you know, but little Abby's just like, where's where's where nothing. But um, anyway, after that prayer, we just started opening up and started talking, and she's just sharing all these crazy stories of how God had just the charismatic renewal had come into her life, and. And you guys know about um, animal noises, right? Being one of the very controversial issues. Like you guys may have at this church gotten used to uh, tongues and kind of accepted that as being a gift for today. Prophecy later on comes in and says uh, that I'm for real as well, and you kind of accept the prophecy and manifestation, shaking, falling on the ground. You know, you kind of seen that a lot more at this church, so you kind of accept that. But one thing, uh, holy laughter even recently, you know, people kind of like, oh yeah, that's definitely from God. You know, and, but, you know, one thing that our church is not, the stigma of the anointing, if you guys, I don't think I preached on that yet, but there's a stigma with the anointing, right? And Jesus said, blessed is he who is not offended by me. And animal noises was one of the stigmas that many, many, many pastors and ministers could just not get over. So if you read Pastor Jim Simbola's book, and I honor Pastor Jim Simla, Brooklyn Tabernacle Church. The reason why we have a prayer movement at this church, by the way, a lot of churches in charismatic movement, they have the signs and the wonders, they don't have a prayer movement. Okay. And we have, what we have at this church is precious. And what we got burning at this church, we got to keep it burning. It's got to get brighter and brighter. Because the authority and the anointing and the level of, of, of just influence that our church will walk into because of the prayer movement that's sustained here and the kind of attacks that we'll be delivered from because of the prayer movement that exists here, man, that's just, you can't put a price tag on that. And not every charismatic church has that, as we noticed when we were in America. But anyway, um, <coughs> uh, she visited Toronto, and uh, one of the things that she got one of, one of the times when she was in Toronto Airport Church was... Uh, she started crowing like a rooster. Okay. Now, <coughs> now Pastor Jim Simbola, like I was saying, he, you know, I honor him because he, he helped start the prayer movement here through his book. There's another book he he, read, he wrote, Fresh Faith, and there's another book, Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. That's his first book. That's about the prayer movement. And there's another book called Fresh Power. That's his third book. And if you read that book, he starts to really slam on all these charismatic movement people, and especially like. Strange manifestations, like shaking and falling. He he categorizes that as being just something that he doesn't agree with. Because uh, if you go to Brooklyn Tabernacle, there's not a lot of that going on. But animal noises, he just completely just ridicules it. And the funny thing is, when I read that, and although I'm I was offended, you know, I had offense toward animal noises because I didn't just I didn't grow up in a church that made animal noises, right? Unless it was VBS, like we didn't make animal noises, you know. But somehow when I read Fresh Power and I read that part, I felt the Holy Spirit kind of grieve my heart and say, okay, watch out for that. That's the bone. That's the bone. And I said, well, Lord, that makes sense. You know, that will offend so many people. That can't be from you. Why would you make, why would you inspire people to make animal noises? That's just strange. But I felt the Holy Spirit said, just listen. Follow my presence. Don't just follow the principles in your head. And uh, Bill Johnson talked about that at the conference. How we, once we start to form principles that we live by, you graduate onto living by not just principles, but by presence. If you really want to move in the things of God, you got to learn not to just follow the principles that you've set up in your head, 
but to recognize and discern the presence of the Spirit and follow Him, even in the situations that may be a little bit against your principles or, or be you know overstepping them. Anyway, um, let me tell you about this lady, Pam. Pam says at Toronto, she started crowing like a rooster, and the message that got put on her heart was, you're going to crow for me. You're going to crow like a rooster because I put a calling on your life and an anointing on your life to awaken the dead, awaken the young generation. So I'm like, okay, well, what does that look like then? So Pam says, well, I have a children's ministry at my church. So all these Christian parents drop off their little children. They're like five, six, seven years old. And she said, one time I was teaching these adorable little children. I just felt the Holy Spirit said, crow. Okay, so this is this is her story. Okay, I, I can't verify. I'm just taking her story. She says she started to crow, and she said all the children fell down and started manifesting, and they start to cry and shake all over the ground. And she said the image was like, like the dead, like the children getting awakened to something. And she said instantly all these children were filled with the spirit, speaking in tongues. They went home and their parents, man, the parents was not having it. So Pam got in a lot of trouble. Right? But she said, that's just, I don't know. I can't explain. I don't like it. But, you know, this is just what God's given me. So that, that was a personal testimony into my life of what God has identified through the presence. Don't just judge that so quickly. Because God can do very offensive things. He can, he can package his power and anointing in very offensive packaging. But what we as a people must do is we gotta discern, alright, the substance of what God is doing in that moment. Alright, when a person's on the ground shaking under the power of God, half the congregation may be offended by seeing a person on the ground shaking like they're epileptic. Okay? But we as a people of God need to understand and discern what is God doing while that person is on the ground shaking like an epileptic? Because if you are just offended by just the appearance of this manifestation, you will miss out on the substance of it. Because what God may be doing while that person is on the ground is that person is getting delivered from depression. That person is getting delivered from all kinds of demonic spirits. That person is getting empowered for his calling. Like Heidi Baker fell on the ground was on the ground like five, six days straight. She had to get carried to the restroom. But after that visit to Toronto where she got that anointing and fell on the ground for six, seven days, she went back to Mozambique and saw incredible fruit compared to the first seven years of her ministry. And after that moment and went the next seven years, it's incredible, exponential fruit. And what you see at Iris Ministries today was a direct result of the anointing she received through Randy Clark in Toronto Airport Church back in 1995 or 6 or something. Or 7. Something like that. So anyway, uh, Pam, and then she tells me recently, like she's like, uh, and recently God's been telling me to, to cluck like a chicken. I was like, no way. Like, I can't buy that one. I'm sorry. How does that make any sense? She's like, well, I feel like God's saying, uh, I'm gathering my people. Like a hen gathers her chicks. When Jesus looked over Jerusalem, that's the heart that he received. And that's what God is telling me to do. Do 
in the physical manifestation of an animal what he's going to do in the spirit realm. And I said, all right, God bless you, Pam. <laughs> it's, it's wonderful. But uh, you know what? It keeps my spiritual walk quite exciting. <laughs> to meet people like Dulcinea, to meet people like Pam and little Abby. <laughs> anyway, to close out the message, let's just say we, just, we need to stay open, brothers and sisters, for divine appointments. And once you've learned to stay open, you've got to learn how to ask for divine appointments. Don't just stay open for it and just say, Sovereign God, just sovereignly send me divine appointments. No, once you are open to it, God will look to your heart and say, do you want it? Or are you going to ask me for it? Because the more we ask, the more we'll give. You know, at, during my cruise, I saw very little to no divine appointments. You know why? Because I didn't ask when I was on the cruise. On the cruise, I was busy eating and going to shows and going eating more. And then, you know, and, and just thinking how everything is expensive. <coughs> In terms of the excursions. Anyway, you, you can get into that if you ever go on a cruise. But I didn't, I didn't ask. So I didn't see too many. But I'm telling you, during the time in New York and Philly, I asked every single day. I'm telling you, not a single day went by without a divine appointment being set up. Something that distinctly God set up. I'm going to close with this. I'm really going to close here. Jesus had a divine appointment. Jesus had a divine appointment. And it was a divine appointment with suffering. It was a divine appointment with death. And there is an account in the Gospels where he is just about to enter Jerusalem. He's on the way to the city of Jerusalem, the place of his death and suffering. And this short dude named Zacchaeus, climbs up a tree just to get a look at Jesus. And the amazing part of the story is, here's Jesus filled with so much burden and agony over what he's about to experience at the cross. And he's got his eyes fixed, his face set like flint to the hill of Calvary. Even with all that going on in his heart, he stops for Zacchaeus. And he says, Zacchaeus, tonight I'm coming over. <laughs> and he went over and he ate with this tax collector named Zacchaeus. You know, just like Jesus had this huge central mission of his life, which was the cross. Or at any given moment, you may have a huge central goal, like whether it's to preach at a conference or to teach English or to go on a business trip. You got something like you got some main goal in your mind. When you are in those situations, be like Jesus. Make room for other divine appointments. Even when you got this one main one, Make room for Zacchaeus. Because Jesus did it. And we ought to do the things that Jesus did. Jesus didn't look at Zacchaeus and say, Zacchaeus, I gotta, my central mission is to go to the cross, 
Right now, I'm about to head into Jerusalem and suffer and die. I'm sorry, but sleeping over your place is just does not fit with my plans. I'm sorry. No, although Jesus had all this on his mind, he saw these detours as divine appointments. And so my challenge to each and every one of you, brothers and sisters, is don't just have a period of time of divine appointments. Live a lifestyle of divine appointments. Why only get it for one week or two weeks or part of a U.S. trip you go on? Live a lifestyle of divine appointments. Because if you really look at the ministry of Jesus, Jesus' ministry was filled with divine appointments. Yes, he made plans, but he always made room for the plans of the Father. Because he always did what he saw the Father doing. I believe here at this church, as we live a lifestyle of divine appointments, it's going to be a lifestyle of the miraculous. A lifestyle of the anointing flowing out into you and through you. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Lord, Father, we just thank you so much for the divine appointments that you set up in our lives. And Lord God, we just thank you for sending your son on a divine appointment to the cross. And it's only by him being faithful and keeping that divine appointment that God, as he was crucified, died, was buried as he rose from the dead and he ascended into heaven just as Elijah ascended into heaven and he left behind a mantle Jesus when your son Jesus was ascended into heaven he left behind a mantle an anointing for us and we want to grab onto that anointing today Lord and we don't want that anointing just to go to a waste, but we want to stay open for divine appointments just as your son modeled for us on this earth so that that anointing does not go to waste, but that anointing will flow out to bring life and healing and deliverance to all we meet and encounter. So God, I pray, release divine appointments into the lives of your children. In Jesus' name, amen.